Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. About a year ago, I felt like God spoke to me and he said, Matt, you know what? You don't really know. You think you know a lot about me, but you don't know as much as you think. I want you to actually read the Bible. And I was like, what? I've already given my life to Jesus. Do I have to read this thing? He's like, hey, if you want to get to know me more, why don't you read it? I'm like, all right, I'm going to read it. So I started reading the Bible and it's amazing. I grew up in Sunday school kids church and I heard about all these stories of like David and Goliath and Daniel in the lion's den. But there is so much more in here that we just don't even realize it's there. And I was reading through Numbers, and I came to Numbers 22, and um, (laughs) it was just this crazy, weird story about a dodgy prophet, an angry angel, and a talking donkey. And that is the title of my sermon, and that is what I'm going to be preaching on today. Um, So how about we pray, and then we get stuck into it. Dear God, I thank you so much for everything um, you've done for us. I thank you that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die in our place on that cross. I thank you that while we were still sinners, that is when you sent your son for us. Your compassion, your grace, and your love is so great. And God, I also thank you that um, I'm very thankful um, that West Coast won the grand final yesterday. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. Do we actually have any Collingwood supporters here today? Okay, we can pray for you guys after the service. Sorry about that. Um, so, So the title of today's sermon, A Dodgy Prophet, an Angry Angel, and a Talking Donkey. Um... Before I go any further, I actually do want to address the elephant in the room, and that is the moustache. So, (laughs) okay. So a lot of people have been giving me a lot of constructive feedback about my facial hair of late, so I just want to lay it down here right now. Um, My intentions with the moustache, the reason behind it was not to look like Ned Flanders. Can we get Ned Flanders on the screen? So, I just, I'll, I'll be honest, that is not the look I was going for. Although Ned Flanders, he's got a good body, he loves God, and he's a great guy. So, but he wasn't the guy I was thinking of, okay? He wasn't the guy I was thinking of. My intentions, my heart behind wanting to grow this mean thing had nothing to do with that man. I'll tell you the story. I'm going to let you in here. So, me and my beautiful girlfriend, Amy, we like to go to the movies. Does anyone here like to go to the movies? Yeah. Yeah, I love to go to the movies. It's the thing I love to do. And um, about a few months ago, uh, we went and we saw this movie called Mission Impossible. Okay, Mission Impossible 6. Has anyone seen it? Not many people. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, But in this movie, one of my favorite characters um, is in it, or my favorite actors, I should say. His name is Henry Cavill, and he plays Superman. That's him up there, and I love him. And as soon as this man came on the screen... He was rocking the meanest mo I had ever seen. And sometimes you see someone has a certain look about them and you just think to yourself, man, I've got to get me one of those. And as soon as I saw him, I, I thought to myself, yep, I'm going to give it a crack. I'm going to give it a go. And he, here we are today. Um, so that is the reason behind the mo. Those were my intentions. I wanted to look like Henry Cavill. And um, it's so interesting. Like on the outside, we see people's appearance. Um, we see the choices and the decisions that they make. But one thing we don't know are their intentions, the why behind it. Why did they make that choice? Why did I make that choice? Well, because I wanted a mean mo like Henry Cavill. But so often as people, we get so fixated 
on the performance, on the result, on the outside, that we often forget about the intentions. And what you guys need to know is that intentions mean everything to God. In fact, I would go as far to say that intentions to God are more important than performance or the final outcome or the final product. As a people, as a culture, we're fixated on performance. If you're in here, you're a boss, you have employees. Um, What you want, you want performance, you want result, you want the outcome, the intentions of the person, the heart behind it, you can't see. We're always looking for the end product. But God, he's more concerned with where your heart's at. He's more concerned with our intentions. And today I'm going to be speaking um, about a dodgy prophet, an angry angel, and a talking donkey out of Numbers 22. And we're going to be introduced to a character. And this guy is called Balaam, right? And he's a prophet. He has an incredible gift. But something you need to know about him, his intentions, his heart is in the wrong place, okay? He claims to have a great relationship with God. Um, He he claims um, to know the Lord, okay? But deep down, when it's all said and done, his heart isn't really for God. His heart is for something else. And we're going to find out about what that is. So we're going to pick up the story. Um, In Numbers 22, we're going to start at verse 7. But I'm just going to lay down, give you a little bit of context for what is happening at this time. So basically, you've probably heard of Israel before, um, God's chosen people. And at the moment, they're wandering around in the wilderness, okay? So Moses has just led Israel out of Egypt. So they're wandering around in the wilderness, and there's thousands upon thousands of them. And basically, you, just, you could just imagine it's pretty scary for a big group of people with the hand of God on them, blessings on them. Everyone's hearing about the miracles, and they're wandering around in the wilderness, and they're about to head into a region called Moab, a nation called Moab. And there's a king of Moab, his name's King Balak, and he's really concerned because he is hearing about this great nation called Israel. God is behind them. God is for them. They are blessed by God and they're about to head into his territory and he's thinking, oh no, what am I going to do? How am I going to stop them? Even though Israel's intent isn't to go in there and just knock everyone off, it's just to pass through. But who knows that when you're afraid, when you're full of fear, it causes you to do crazy things and to think irrationally. So basically, King Balaam is thinking, how do I stop this Israel? How do I stop them? Okay, I don't have the physical means, but maybe I can win the spiritual battle here. So he knows of this prophet called Balaam, this dodgy prophet. And he is going to get this guy to get on his side and basically speak a curse over Israel to stop them because he knows that this Balaam prophet, anything he says happens. If he blesses something, it seems to come to pass. If he curses something, it also comes to pass. So he wants to get Balaam on his side. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in Numbers 22. We're going to start at verse 7. And it says, So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the fees for divination in their hands. And they came to Balaam and gave him Balak's message. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam, and God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? And Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippah, king of Moab, who sent to me, saying, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt, and it covers the face of the earth. Now come, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to fight against them and drive them out. And God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, 
for they are blessed. So it says that the elders of Moab and Midian departed with the fees for divination. Balaam, this guy is a prophet, but he's a prophet with a price. He can be bought, okay? He is supposed to be the prophet, but instead he's looking to profit. His heart is for money. And that's what he wants more than anything. He wants the money. So when God gives him this instruction and God says, you will not go with them, you will not do this, we learn that initially he's like, all right, I won't go. But really deep down in his spirit, in his heart, he wants to go. He wants to go. His heart is really for money. It's not really for God. And one thing that we have to understand as a people is that when our heart is captivated by something more than it's captivated by God, when our heart is captivated by money, when it's captivated by, I don't know, um, going out on the weekend, by just having fun, by living your own life, if that's what captivates your heart more than, what, more than God, then when God asks you to do something, it makes it really difficult. And all obedience towards God becomes half-hearted. So God asks you to do something and you reluctantly obey because deep down, really, you don't want to. There's really something else that you really want more than obeying God. And the thing here is, and this is one of the key points, is that failure to shut the door on sin allows it back in. If your heart's not fully captivated by God and he asks you to do something, you're not going to obey it with full conviction, and therefore you're allowing temptations to come. The enemy can see that. Temptations will come, and when they come, you'll kind of say, oh, no, yeah, I won't do it, I won't do it. But as soon as you get a better offer, you'll be like, okay, and you'll invite that sin in. And all of a sudden, when it comes in, it's harder to block it out. It's harder to squash the sin. Failure to shut the door on sin allows it back in. And I've got a great story to illustrate this. So I just talked about the Mo came from seeing a movie. I love going to the movies and I love going to Hoyt's because of the recliner seats. I can't even go to another cinema anymore. If I go to another cinema and it's not recliner seats, it's like, nah, it's not good enough. Um, And I love to really treat myself too. I'm one of those people when I go to the movies, man, I'm talking talking popcorn. Um, I'll go down to Coles, I'll get an energy drink or maybe a slushie. Um, I'll get uh, some Haribo lollies from Coles as well. Has anyone had the Tang Fastics? Is that some my brother has? Yeah, they're the best things in the world. So I get some of those. Um, what else? I'll always I'll get an ice cream too, especially Hoyts at Eastlands, Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Yep, my, Ben and Jerry's has my heart. But what happens is I get all this stuff and I go in with Amy and we sit down, we watch this movie, and I'm just sitting there and I'm just eating the whole time. And I don't think I've really realised how much I've I've had until I stand up and it's like whoa, I've like gained at least a few kgs um, from, that, from that movie, and I start to feel really sick. And we'll be walking out of the cinema, and I swear to you right now, and Amy will testify, that as I'm walking out, I'll look to her and I'll go, oh, I feel sick. It's never happening again. And she just looks at me and smiles because she knows, oh, yeah, sure. And I start to declare, I'm like, in Jesus' name, this is not happening again. Next time, I'm going to eat like a like, like an older person, and get some dried fruit, um, maybe some dried banana or some apricots, uh, yeah, some nuts, yeah, a bit of ginger, maybe, something, something like that. Um, so I start to make all these plans in my mind about what I'm going to do next time so I won't be tempted. But the thing is, the next time I go to the cinema, as soon as I see that big Ben and Jerry sign, and I look down and I see the Tonight Dough 
oh, just calling my name, come to me, Matthew. I give in. Altogether, I go to it and it's like, nah, whatever. Because my heart, oh, it's for the Ben and Jerry's, it's for the food. It was never really for the other stuff. And it was so hard for me to be convicted because at the end of the day, my heart, I mean, really, I just wanted to enjoy myself. I just wanted to do, do what I wanted to do. Um, I, it was very hard for me to make that decision um, to just stick with that choice that, oh, I'm not going to be eating junk at the cinema anymore. So failure to shut the door on sin allows it back in, and we see this with Balaam. So we just saw that the elders of Midian came, okay, and they tried to convince him, hey, come with us, to get him to go to King Balak to speak the curse, come with us. And he was like, uh, no. But you could just imagine his hesitation. Uh, yeah, no, not now. But maybe if the price is right, I'll go with you. So this is where we pick up the story. Um, in Numbers 22, um, chapter 15. Or no, chapter 22, verse 15. Um, so it says, Once again, Balak sent princes more in number and more honourable than these. So now they're coming again but the temptation is so much stronger. And they, come, and they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippah, Let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will surely do you great honour. And whatever you say to me, I will do. Come, curse this people for me. Now this is interesting. But Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the command of the Lord my God to do less or more. So you too, please stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. Isn't it so interesting that God has clearly given um, Balaam a command earlier? What did he say? He said, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. Now, all of a sudden, the temptation has come again. And they're asking, hey, come with us. And he says, oh, I just need to go and inquire of God again about this. So God has given him a clear instruction. But because his heart, because he really wants to go, he's going to go back and pray again because he's just hoping for what he wants to align with what God tells him. So he can actually just walk that path and do that thing. And this is what it says. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, if the men have come to you, Come to cause you, rise, go with them, but only do what I tell you. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Now, sometimes God does this. If he speaks to us, if he tells us to do something over and over and over, um, what can sometimes happen is he gives us into the desires of our heart. And that is what we see happen with Balaam. God's given Balaam clear instruction. But Balaam is clearly fixated on something else. So when he goes to God again in prayer, God decides, I'm going to give Balaam into the desires of his heart. And then he saddled his donkey and he starts to head in the wrong direction. Have you ever felt like you're headed in the wrong direction before? Have you ever felt like God kind of spoke to you, he told you to do something, um, and you weren't convicted about it, really, there was something else that you wanted to do, and you ended up heading in the direction of where you wanted to do, but it just didn't feel right. I know personally that I've been there before, and this is what I learned. A loving God blocks the way when it's not his way. A loving God blocks the way his way. About four years ago, um, I was in a relationship with a girl, 
Um, and we had been dating for a long time, almost four years, and I was convinced that this person was the one for me. I mean, I was convinced. No one could tell me otherwise, and we'd been together for ages, and in my mind, I'd kind of planned out our future, where we were headed, what was going to happen, um, and, and I, was, I was happy, like, kind of. Um, I seemed to be enjoying myself, um, but then, all of a sudden, after being in this relationship for, for about four years, it seemed like out of the blue... She just broke up with me. She's like, no, it's not happening. And man, I tell you what, talk about a block in the way of where I thought I was going. And what I realized, what I realized now looking back is that I was way outside of the things that God has had for me. I was way down the wrong path. There were so many warning signs. God spoke to me so many times, it was so obvious, but what happens is when you're heading in the wrong direction, you can, you can become quite spiritually blind to everything that's happening around you. So I was in this relationship with this girl, I was convinced she was the one, I had a relationship with God, but she didn't. God had a call for my life, and she had a different calling. She was clearly not the right girl for me. She was a lovely girl, a, a, great, a great girl, but at the end of the day, we weren't evenly yoked, and it was clear, and it was obvious that it wasn't the way, but I was lost, and I didn't know what I was doing, and out of love for me, God blocked the way, and at the time, it felt like hell. Yeah. At the time, it was absolutely devastating. I was a broken man. Seriously, I, it was really, really hard, but God blocked that way and he turned me around, and he sent me back in another direction. And I praise and I thank God for how loving he was, that he wasn't willing to let me to go any further down that destructive pathway. He loved me so much that he stopped me in my tracks. He turned me around, I repented, and then I went in the right direction. And praise God that we have a loving God who's willing to go that far for us. And I learned in that moment that a loving God blocks the way when it's not his way. And we learn here with Balaam that he saddled his donkey, okay? And this is where the story gets, to, <laughs> gets really interesting. So we're going to pick it up in verse 22. So Balaam has just saddled his donkey. He's about to head in a direction that God doesn't want him to go. And it says, But God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey, and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. Now, I find it absolutely fascinating that Balaam, this prophet, this guy who's supposed to have so much spiritual insight and wisdom, can't see the angel, and the donkey can. It just goes to show, man, when you're heading in the wrong direction, you can be really, really blind to things that are happening around you. And Balaam at this point is very spiritually blind. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with the wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Okay, so if this is your first time in church, uh, <laughs> hey, there's some stuff we read in the Bible, and it, sometimes it gets weird, okay? But all I'll say is this. If a God spoke the whole universe into creation with the sound of his voice, 
He can open the mouth of a donkey. He can, I'm a science teacher, did a Bachelor of Science, majoring in chemistry, and a few years ago, if I read this, I would question it, but now, oh, no way I question this, because I realize my God is a God who can do anything. My God is a God who is God over matter, over molecules, over the bonding between the different proteins in our body, and he can change the chemical makeup and the structure of an organism in a, in a moment and enable it to do something they could never do before. So it's about to get weird, but let's read anyway. So, then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey... And she said to Balaam, and in my mind, I'm thinking Shrek, yeah? I'm thinking the donkey and Shrek, and every time I read it, that is what I'm thinking. So, so the donkey says, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you have made a fool of me, and I wish I had a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you. Now, Balaam, he's out of it. Man, this guy's out of it. If a donkey spoke to you, if you left church today and your cat at home just started speaking to you, would you just enter into a conversation like it's normal? <laughs> you wouldn't, would you? Balaam is, because he he's, he's lost, guys. He's full of anger. He's, he's out of it. Um, but Balaam just enters into the conversation. Um, and the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey, on which you have ridden all your life long to this day? Is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, Well, No. <laughs> Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. Guys, don't wait for an angry angel and a talking donkey before you realise you're heading in the wrong direction and turn it around. I mean, uh, I really wish that I'd been wiser um, with that relationship I was in and I had to turn it around before it went as far as it did. And a loving God really does block the way when it's not his way. And Balaam, even though he was so gifted, so talented, he heard from God, um, the things that he spoke, they happened... Um, but at the end of the day, this guy, his heart was in the wrong place. His intentions were in the wrong place. And because of that, his way was perverse before God. His way was perverse before God. And sadly, even though this happens, the talking donkey, the angry angel, you think that Balaam would have got the hint, he would have turned around and gone back, but he ends up going. He ends up going to King Balak. And to cut a long story short, he prophesies four times against Israel. Four different oracles. Now, he was hoping, he was hoping that he would be able to curse Israel and he would get paid. But guess how many times he cursed Israel? Zero. Because you can't curse what God blesses. You can't curse what God blesses. If you are here today and you have a relationship with God, you're a child of God, man. God has blessed you. His favor is upon you. And nothing external, nothing on the outside can come in and get in the way of the incredible things that God has for you. God's promises are final. And if you walk the walk with God, trust me, you're going to walk into the incredible blessings that he has for you. Okay, so you can't curse what God blesses. And there's so much we can learn from this story. There is so much in it. But When I was reading it, there was one main thing that kept coming up in my heart. And this is it. And if there is a main message today in this sermon, it is this. 
Don't waste your gift. Don't waste your gift. Balaam had an incredible gift. He heard from God. He was well known for it. In fact, his gift was so great. And we all have gifts here today. Even if we're not using them for God, they still operate. And they can operate really powerfully. In this room right now, we have apostles, we have prophets, we have evangelists, we have teachers, we have pastors, we have people with incredible leadership potential. We have people with incredible um, loving hearts who can pastor young people. We have so many people in this room right now with amazing gifts, amazing talents. And it's scary to think, isn't it? Isn't it scary to think that the gift that God gave you to glorify Him, we could be using to glorify ourselves instead? Isn't that a scary thought? That the thing that God gave us to further His kingdom, to build His church, to bring light to this world, to bring peace, we could be using for ourselves. That's a scary thought. Don't waste your gift like Balaam did. Since I've been talking about movies a lot, I'm going to talk about them one more time. I love Star Wars. Does anyone here love Star Wars? I love Star Wars. And one of the key characters in Star Wars is this guy called Anakin Skywalker. And his picture's about to come up on the screen. There he is. He looks menacing. He looks scary, doesn't he? Um, But the thing is, if you're watching the movies, in the first six movies, he's the main character. And we're introduced to him as a little kid, as a child, in the first movie, chronologically. um, In the first movie. And these Jedi Knights, right? These really good people, they see this young man and they say, wow, he's the one. He has the gifts. He has the talents. They can see it in him. He is the one who's going to bring peace to the galaxy. He is the one who's going to defeat evil. He is the one who's going to answer the prophecy. And Anakin Skywalker, he had so much potential. He had such an incredible gift. So they raise him up, right? They raise him up and he becomes more and more and more powerful. His gift is stirred up. His talents are stirred up. He gets more and more and more strong. But then something terrible happens. All of a sudden, his heart, which was supposed to be for people, all of a sudden, his gift that was supposed to be used to defeat evil, to defeat the Sith, okay, that gift that he had, that he was supposed to defeat evil with, all of a sudden, he became the very thing that he was supposed to destroy. He became a Sith himself. He became evil. The gift that he was given that was supposed to destroy evil um, and bring peace to the galaxy and bring good and to serve people with, he decided to serve himself with. He decided to glorify himself with his gift. And he ends up becoming Darth Vader. And it's such a sad story. And I know in my heart, I want to make sure that the gifts and the talents that I have, that I use them to glorify God, that I use them to glorify the name of Jesus above everything else. And it doesn't matter what I'm doing, what job I'm in. It doesn't matter. I will always, God will always be at the forefront of my mind. God, how can I serve you with the things you have given me? How can I serve you with the talents that I have? God, show me where my heart is at at the moment. Is it for me? Uh, the gifts that I'm having, you can even be serving in ministry and be serving yourself. Uh, the, the gifts that I have, Lord, am I serving you with this? And today, when you're here this morning, you've got to think, you, God has given you incredible gifts and amazing talents. In fact, you're, if you're using your gift properly in, within the confines of what, where He wants you to use it, 
Man, that is going to cause so many people to come to know Jesus. That is cause, that's going to bring a massive impact to the, to the world that you're in, to your family, everywhere you go. If we're using our gift in the right place, wow, what an incredible world we could be living in. Imagine the impact the church could bring to this world that is struggling. Why don't you stand to your, to your feet? Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.